We good to go? Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> and uh, let's see, what would you like to talk about? You want to tell the story of your 500 tail rotor failure with the hoodie? Thank you. Good morning, everyone. This is Pete Gillies sitting in the uh, beautiful home of Doug Williams in Yucaipa, California. The date is April 2nd. 2019, and right in front of me is our wonderful wonder dog, Hannah, who is a rescue dog from Petco and my constant companion. Doug has asked me to talk about the complete loss of tail rotor and half the gearbox in a MD500 Delta that happened several years ago here in the mountains, not very far actually from where we're sitting here today. Here's the situation. Doing low-level, uh, 64 landings once a month in a rugged mountainous area where a large, huge dam is going to be built, or is being built. And the function, the purpose of the flight was to inspect 64 large white X markers that would show up in aerial photographs once a month on this big dam project so that the uh, contractor could keep track of everything happening on the dam, overlaying photos month by month by month for historical purposes and for engineering purposes. The uh, inspection of the uh, white markers occurred every 30 days, followed immediately by aerial photos that were uh, designed, taken from exactly the same altitude, uh, high up altitude, by airplanes designed to have a historical record of the construction of the dam. On this particular morning, we had an uh, extra passenger on board, and uh, both rear doors, both rear doors of the 500D were off. The um, morning started out cold and foggy, and uh, everybody on board had a uh, hoodie type of a sweatshirt. During the morning, uh, the uh, weather cleared up, sun came out, and everything warmed up. And I did not know that one of the passengers, the one sitting behind me in the left rear uh, seat, had taken off his uh, sweatshirt and against all training and, and regulations he had, instead of giving, it, giving the sweatshirt to one of us in the front of the aircraft, he put it under the rear seat. This particular day, the right rear door was also off because we had an extra passenger. And in the process of descending down a ridge line, the uh, wind came in the right side of the ship and blew the sweatshirt out from under the left rear seat, and it went directly back into the tail rotor. A hoodie-type sweatshirt. There was a, a, a thump, and uh, the aircraft uh, yawed to the right a little bit as I was descending toward a valley at the time, and uh, I suddenly noticed that I had no yaw control. There was no vibration at all, no yaw control. Airspeed was probably 40, 50 knots coming down this uh, long ridge line. At that point, I uh, realized that... Uh, uh, I had a uh, challenge. I could see an airport about three miles away. I could actually see the runway out in the valley, but between where we were and the airport was a huge transmission line. 
high voltage line coming from a hydroelectric plant up in this uh, canyon. I uh, assumed that I could uh, easily get over these power lines and continue on flying sideways, yawing to the right, and make a normal run-on landing. You're not spinning at this point. You're no, no, you're no, just, no, I'm just spinning because I had your descent. I was, I was in the process of descending, right. so the power was not flat gauge, but it was way down, and uh, airspeed was probably let us say 40, 50 knots, something like that. Did you know what had happened at this time, or did you just know that no. you didn't have yaw control? I just, I just realized that I didn't know what happened. But I associated the thump with something uh, involving a tail rotor. But uh, at that point, I thought, hey, I can do this. This is no problem. I'll just fly with a yaw, obviously, fly over and make a run on landing at the airport. An uncontrolled field, no control tower, no nothing, uh, early morning hours, and uh, no air traffic and all that stuff. So problem was we were in a descent and the power lines were down the side of the mountain very tall and I would have to go over them to get to the airport. Not very much, but I would have to apply power and probably climb 50 to 100 feet to get over the power lines. As I increased the power to uh, get over the lines, the aircraft of course began to yaw more to the right, the torque. The problem was we had my door off and the left rear door off, and as the aircraft began to yaw to the right while moving forward, the drag entered the picture, and it took more and more power to overcome the drag. And that's fine. I began applying more power so I could clear the power lines, but the problem was the more I applied, the more the ship turned sideways and the drag went up and I suddenly realized there was no way I could clear the power lines. Impossible. It's a steep mountainside. There was no way I could go under them. Absolutely impossible. And so I had to make a very, very uh, quick decision on what to do. I couldn't clear them. I wasn't about to hit them. I couldn't go under them. I couldn't go left, right. There was no place to go except severe, steep, impossible canyons on both sides. So optimistically, I remember thinking, hey, this is no problem. I can do this. I looked down at the ridge line I was following, and I thought, okay, I'll just stop this aircraft prior to hitting these giant power lines. I'll stop the aircraft and just descend vertically and land on the uh, ridge line. You know, I remember thinking, there'll be no problem here. This will work. Put the pitch down, raised the nose, stopped the descent, and started down vertically. And of course, the aircraft began to spin to the right. I don't know why I did this, but I applied some power. Uh, the aircraft is now spinning. And by the way, this whole thing is witnessed by at least 25 workers out at the dam site way down in the canyon below. They saw the tail rotor uh, depart the aircraft. I didn't know at the time that I had lost the tail rotor and half the gearbox. I had no idea. But sitting in the right front seat was a uh, surveyor, senior surveyor, who weighed at least 265 pounds. And I noticed as I brought the aircraft to a stop with aft cyclic, and the pitch was all the way down, brought it to a complete stop, 
Then as it started down vertically, I'm pulling some kick to control the rate of descent, and of course the aircraft is spinning to the right. The witnesses that saw it spin at least six times around said it was spinning at a rate of about once per second. Wow. So my view was interesting. Half a second I'm looking at the valley, the next thing I'm looking at a mountain right behind me. Going down vertically, I do not know why I pulled pitch, but the, uh, I was uh, remember during the descent, I was very confident that when I got to the ridge line straight down below, I'd make a, some kind of a normal landing. Well, again, once per second, 360 degrees, uh, the uh, scenery is changing uh, very quickly. Uh, my job is to just continue down and uh, uh, pull pitch and make a nice landing. Okay, the ground was coming up at the last moment when I felt ground contact was about to happen. I pulled all the pitch. I remember feeling the rate of yaw uh, increase very quickly. And then the aircraft hit. It hit on about a 20 degree slope covered with uh, small trees and light brush. And uh, the aircraft disintegrated. Pieces of the aircraft went every direction. We had headsets on. All the headsets came off, ended up wrapped around the main rotor system. Everything that was not bolted, secured in the helicopter, uh, left the helicopter pieces of everything in the in the uh, cockpit cabin area everything that was loose uh, all the stuff you might have I had uh, sunglasses on uh, pens and pencils in my pockets everything that was on your person or uh, loose in the aircraft disappeared out into the brush of the canyon and the aircraft then after hitting it started rolling slowly down the mountainside through small trees and brush. And the uh, slope went from about 20 degrees, the slope went to about 45 degrees. And there's a deep canyon we're rolling down into. I didn't realize this at the time. I'm sitting in the cockpit, uh, holding onto the cyclic collective feet on the pedals, and uh, we're rolling. And I'm getting hit in the face with you rolling? Rolling. Well, yeah. I, how is it rolling? <laughs> yeah, You'd think it would be rolling over sideways. I don't know. Uh, the damage to the helicopter was extensive. There was nothing left. The tail boom's gone. The blades are gone because we hit at uh, full power. Uh, everything's gone. Uh, slowly rolling down the hillside, as I say, through, through small trees and brush. And I'm just Sitting there, I'm getting hit in the face with uh, various pieces of, of uh, branches and dirt and all that. And this, uh, this roll continued for several hundred feet until suddenly the aircraft came to a stop. Uh, it was level, sitting facing south into the nice sunshine. The engine was off. I do not remember turning it off. I didn't turn it off during the descent. The uh, instrument panel completely missing. It had gone. It was underneath the aircraft. I discovered this when I innocently reached forward to pull the fuel off and turn the battery off. And there was no instrument panel. Gone. I mean, absolutely gone. From the floor, nothing. 
it was completely gone. There was no blast left of the cockpit. All the bubble was gone. There was nothing around me. The uh, passenger on my right, the heavy, uh, very heavy gentleman, senior surveyor, was moaning he had a dislocated hip that happened sometime during the descent. The two men in the back, uh, two surveyor men in the back, had already left the aircraft as soon as it came to a stop, and they were running up the side of the mountain to uh, uh, wave at people way down at the dam project uh, that, uh, you know, we have, a, we have we have crash. They knew that already. They saw the crash and uh, had called 911, and every media ship in Los Angeles was headed out the, uh, to the crash site, and there were nothing but red lights and code lights and all ambulances and whatever down at the dam site within 20 or 30 minutes after the crash. So, extent of injuries, with the exception of the uh, heavy surveyor gentleman with a dislocated hip, the rest of us, the three of us, were, were fine. Some, uh, some cuts and bruises, my uh, sunglasses uh, nailed the bridge of my nose, I had some blood running down my, uh, my cheeks and all, but no broken bones, the impact on the side of the mountain was such that uh, there was no deformation of the seat pans. There, was, there were no back injuries, no broken bones, except for the surveyor, senior surveyor. The rest of us were fine. No fire, or I, I imagine you had a lot of fuel as your first flight of the day. Always showed up for that flight with about 350 pounds of fuel. So there was fuel in the aircraft. No fire. There was no fire. The engine was off. The, uh, uh, of course, when I uh, when we came to a stop, I said, "Okay, Pete, I think we've been in an accident here. Let's turn off the battery. Let's pull the fuel off." And as I said, the instrument panel is gone, and so I had nothing. There was nothing I could do. It was absolutely silent. There was no smoke. There was not, nothing. Was running. There was no fuel leakage. I attribute the survival to uh, two things. Number one, being in that particular airframe. I have had three major accidents in my career, and they've all been in MD. Two of the two of the three have been in MD 500s, and uh, uh, that airframe is, in my opinion, one of the finest for uh, survival. Because uh, in every case, in, in both of the cases of I have uh, been able to walk away, and so has my passenger. Anyway, uh, here's the message. Here's the message from this accident that I've been sharing for uh, quite a few years now. The buzzword is spinning is not a problem. Hitting hard is a problem. And that makes, that makes sense when you think about it. Spinning is entertainment. People go to Disneyland, spend hundreds of dollars to ride in things that spin. That's entertainment. There's nothing wrong with spinning. Spinning, our bodies can take spinning very easily. It's the impact that makes a difference. The reason we all survived that accident is because of the decision I made to let the aircraft spin, apply power during the descent, and use the energy from the engine, the rotor system, to reduce the crash forces so that they were uh, uh, survivable. Uh, had I 
put the pitch down to eliminate the spinning, uh, we would have hit extremely hard, and I probably wouldn't be sitting here with you today, Doug, talking about it. This was a big lesson. The training scenario where we uh, train for tail rotor failures, the training scenario is totally different where we're going to uh, teach a pilot how to manage the throttle so that he or she can achieve a run-on landing on a smooth, hard surface. That's wonderful for training. You learn to do that during training. You pass check rides and you think you're all set to handle a real tail rotor failure. The other element here was the fact that with uh, the loss of the complete tail rotor and half of the gearbox, the center of gravity of that aircraft was now outrageously nose-heavy. I recall during the descent, I had the cyclic all the way back in my gut. It was completely back, and the people that described the descent said the aircraft wasn't descending flat, it was descending nose-down. Not, not making a circle, but just nose down, down vertically. That was an additional problem that I didn't realize what was happening at the time. I was just doing what I thought I needed to do to survive. So I've shared that story many, many times. The message again here is spinning is not a problem. Uh, if you have the loss of thrust, either the tail rotor drive shaft breaks, the tail rotor gearbox breaks, for whatever reason the tail rotor becomes inoperative, um, don't chop the throttle with an attempt to stop the spinning. Had I done that, again, I wouldn't be here today. <clears throat> when you put the pitch down, as I did, Spinning stops. When you pull a pitch, the spinning starts. That's okay. Here's my recommendation for an in-flight loss of yaw control. You're flying along, you, you hit a bird, something happens, something comes out of the aircraft and uh, goes into the tail rotor. And you, in, a, in an MD-500, you're going to have one of two things happen when you have a tail rotor strike. In my case, when the gearbox broke in half, the drive shaft had not been damaged uh, physically at all. There was no vibration at all. It was absolutely smooth. The tail rotor was gone, but nothing was uh, making any banging noises. Absolutely smooth. 500s have two methods, two ways that the tail rotors fail. Typically, one is, in my case, no damage, visible damage to the tail rotor drive shaft. The other, it's about a 50-50 thing. The other uh, situation is when something hits the tail rotor in flight and the drive shaft now twists and pretzels, as we say. It now is hitting the inside of the tail boom. And when that happens, the vibration in the aircraft is extremely high. The tail boom is now disintegrating. Uh, it's being beaten from the inside and it's getting bigger, like somebody's inside the tail boom punching, trying to get out. We've had this, we had this happen at Western at the airport on a, a tail rotor ground strike where the tail rotor hit the pavement at the end of an auto rotation 
and uh, remained on the aircraft, but the uh, drive shaft was, was uh, pretzeled. We slid to a stop, and he turned around looked at the uh, tail boom while it was still running, and you could see the punch marks from inside coming out as the drive shaft was beating on it. So here's the message. One of the problems with the 500 and the tail rotor exposure is simply this. There's nothing between the cockpit, the cabin, and the tail rotor. There's no horizontal stabilizer back there on a 500D, well, any 500, C, D, E, doesn't matter. Anything that leaves the uh, cockpit, uh, especially on the left side, left side of the cockpit, uh, anything that leaves goes directly back into or extremely close to the tail rotor. It's critical that uh, you understand the importance of uh, not letting anything get out of that aircraft while you're flying 500. Because if it comes out the left side, it will probably go through the tail rotor. And the message when that happens is simply this. If you lose yaw control and you suddenly find the aircraft is vibrating extremely hard, your tail boom is in the process of disintegrating. And you better do Don't even think about trying to fly to some airport some distance away. Don't even think about it. Your aircraft is in the process of destroying itself. Put the pitch down, but don't roll the throttle to idle. Put the pitch down. You're going to land the aircraft before it disintegrates in flight. Put the pitch down. When you put the pitch down, there's no spinning. Mm -hmm. The aircraft will fly just fine, mm -hmm. as long as you're wanting to have a flat pitch descent. The yaw will be uh, insignificant, and you can get down to something approaching ground level. Where are you when this happens? Are you over the airport? Not very likely. One chance in a thousand you'll have a smooth, hard surface on which to make a classic training-type landing. No. In our case, the type flying that I've done for oh, 50 years now, or somewhere in the mountains, in the desert, somewhere where there's no place to make a classic training-type landing. None. Put the pitch down. Descend to the... and fly it. The aircraft's controllable. You can go left, right. You can do it. You can, you can stop it as long as the pitch is down. You can do anything you want to. Rotor RPM's in the green. Your engine is running. The throttle is still wide open, but the pitch is down. Here comes ground level. Do you need some uh, thrust to prevent a hard smash landing? Fine. When you get that flare, best place you can, pull whatever pitch you want to, let the aircraft spin. Spinning again, I said for the sixth time, is not a problem. Are you going to damage the aircraft when it hits the ground? Probably. Hopefully, uh, if it's an MD product, uh, the manufacturer will applaud you if you destroy that helicopter in the landing, but don't get hurt because the, they will build you another one. That keeps people happy over at the MT factory in Arizona. So seriously, 
if you want to land without spinning and you have a nice place to land and you'd rather not spin, well, okay, fine. Just in the flare, go ahead. Chop the throttle so you don't have torque and you still probably be spinning, but it'll be very, very minor rate. Are you going to damage the aircraft? Sure. But the big one in the mountainous country that we fly in here all the time, uh, there is no place to land. You're going to have just have to do the best you can, which is what I ended up doing with no planning at all. Well, don't think I have anything, any special talents in this business. I've never had a tail rotor failure before. This is the first time it just made sense to me to reduce the rate of descent vertically by pulling pitch, and the spinning was, uh, again, not a problem. Uh, had I not done that, the aircraft would have hit extremely hard somewhere, and I probably would not be here today. So that's the message on that. Again, you have these two, two methods, uh, two type of failures, and historically, the 500 has probably had more tail rotor failures from stuff getting out of the cockpit in flight than probably any other make and model, just by the way uh, the ship is designed and all. But it is the most survivable light turbine in the business as far as uh, crashworthiness. So that's the story of that. Uh, it's good to have some luck on your side, too. Yeah. <laughs>